Good evening, this is Pamela. You're listening to Watchmen on the Pod. We are going to continue in our book reading, Revelation Timeline Decoded by David Nikio Wilcoxon. And we are in chapter 14, and this one is titled The Second Seal Judgment, 193 to 284 B, um, not BC, but AD. And when he had opened the second seal, I heard the second beast say, Come and see. And there went out another horse that was red, and power was given to him that sat thereon to take peace from the earth, and that they should kill one another. And there was given unto him a great sword. Chapter 6, verses 3 and 4. This represents a bloody time in the Roman Empire, as judgment was poured out on them for killing millions of saints. The color changing from white to red indicates the shift from peace to bloodshed. When the Cretan dynasty came to an end, this led to Rome's downfall. The earth, Greek, Kehe, a region, land, envisioned by John, was the Roman territories of Europe and the Mediterranean, not the whole world. An attempt was made to kill Kamados, I can't even say his name, Kamados, to try to protect himself, he exalted his captain of the Praetorian Guards to high authority. The Roman Empire went into a phase of revolution and civil war for 90 years, during which there were 34 emperors and many contenders for the throne. All but two of them were poisoned or killed by the sword. The Romans blamed the saints for their cursed situation. In History of the Fall of the Roman Empire, 1834, John, Sean, no, how do you say that? Jean, Jean, Charles Leonard de Simodi says, With Commodus' death commenced a most calamitous period. It lasted 92 years, from 193 to 284 AD. During that time, 32 emperors and 27 pretenders to the empire alternatively hurled each other from the throne by the incessant civil warfare. 92 years of almost incessant civil warfare taught the world on what a frail foundation the virtue of Antonis had reared the, fel the felicity, felicity of the empire. Edward Gibbon said the power of the sword had begun its reign and military rule was supreme. The tyranny of Commodus, the civil wars occasioned by his death, and the new policy introduced by Severus had all contributed to increase the dangerous power of the army and to obliterate the faint image of laws and liberty that was still impressed upon the minds of the Romans. This internal change undermined the foundation of the empire. The giving of the sword was fulfilled when Commodus exalted Perines, who aspired to the empire, to practically despotic authority as captain of the Praetorian Guards, chapter 4 of Gibeon. In theory, the Praetorian commander represented the emperor. The action of Commodus transferred and practiced supremacy to the army, a great sword, which it wasn't slow to use. Then Septimus, servants, service, 193 to 211 AD, increased their number to 50,000 and doubled their pay, making the Praetorium Guard a very great sword. 
thereby leading to further revolutions and bloodshed. Commodus rapidly degenerated in character after an attempt was made upon his life in 183. He assassinated any people of distinction without pity. In 193, he was strangled to death and was succeeded by the virtuous Pertinax, who endeavored to repair the damage caused by his predecessor and to restore peace. But he was prevented by the Praetorium Guard, Great Sword, who, fearing the suppression of their privileges, power, and vices, assassinated him. Then they put the empire up for auction to the highest bidder, and Didius Julianus, a vain old senator, gained it by paying 200, and I'm not sure what that L means or whatever that is, like a year almost, to each of the guards. This arose the anger of three generals commanding various divisions of the Roman legions, Clodius Albinus, Pessinius Niger, and Septimus Servus each marched on Rome to defend its honor. The first to reach the capital was Servus, and with his legions trained in war, he prepared to attack the Praetorian Guard, who were soldiers in name only, and were not prepared to contest the issue, nor defend Julianus in the face of the skilled, determined warriors of Servus. To appease Servus, and his warriors, they beheaded Julianus and pronounced Servus emperor. Servus subsequently disbanded the Praetorian Guard, replacing it with his legions. Meanwhile, the two other generals converged on Rome from different directions. Servus met them each in battle and successfully defeated both. The second seal's red horse points to the rule of military despotism, which incited a time of bloody civil war in the Roman Empire. Chapter 15, The Third Seal Judgment. And when he had opened the third seal, I heard the third beast say, Come and see. And I beheld, and lo, a black horse, and he that sat on him had a pair of balances in his hand. And I heard a voice in the midst of the four beasts say, A measure of wheat for a penny and three measures of barley for a penny. And see thou hurt not the oil and the wine. Chapter 6, verses 5 through 6. The black horse represents the despair and gloom of the Roman people, as they were taxed excessively to pay for all of the wars, which caused a major economic depression. As you can see on this coin, and there's a coin here, the pair of scales represents the Roman Empire's justice and commerce. As the taxes increased, the burden got heavier on the people, and they were ground down, and they suffered as the economy declined. The denarius of Emperor Tiberius was referred to as the tribute penny, which represented a laborer's daily wages. A shortage of coins may have led to the government receiving tax payments with food products. If citizens couldn't pay their taxes in coinage, they were allowed to pay with the equivalent value of wheat, barley, wine, and oil. To hurt not the oil and the wine means to be not unjust to them. 
In other words, let the taxation be fair as compared to the prices of wheat and barley, instead of raising the prices of oil and wine even more. Emperor Carcella gave non-citizens in the Roman Empire the name and privilege of being a Roman citizen. This was not out of generosity, but greed for wealth so he could tax them more. Fines and confiscation, cons, I can't say that word, confiscations, to confiscate something, confiscations, ruined wealthy families. Taxes on farming land were levied. The locks and herds of ranchers were numbered and taxed. The agricultural industry was ruined under this heavy taxation. Farmers stopped growing food because of the taxes, and also barbarians were starting to invade territories of the Roman Empire. Farmers moved into the cities to get jobs and to have protection. The city, the, I'm sorry, the industry of the people in the Roman Empire waned as there was no incentive to produce goods and food, which were going to be taxed so heavily. Interestingly, before his death from an illness, Emperor Carcella told his two boys, be good to each other, enrich the army. Edward Gibbon documented the most important edict Emperor Antonius Carcella in 212 communicated to all the free inhabitants of the empire the name and privileges of Roman citizens. His unabounded liberality flowed not, however, from the sentiments of a generous mind. It was the sword result of avarice, extremely greed, extreme greed for wealth and material gain. The most wealthy families were ruined by partial fines and confiscations, confiscations, I don't know, and the great body of his subjects oppressed by ingenious and aggravated taxes. The land tax, the capitation, and the heavy contributions of corn, wine, oil, and wheat exacted from the provinces for the use of the court, the army, and the capital. The great body of Carcella's subjects were oppressed by the aggravated taxes, and every part of the empire crushed under the weight of his iron scepter. The animating health and vigor of the Roman state was fled. The industry of the people was discouraged by a long series of oppressions, and the financial oppression was a noxious weed of luxurious growth, darkening the Roman world with its deadly shade. And the general famine, which soon after Philip's death befell the empire, was the inevitable consequence of the rapine and oppression, which exacerbated the produce wheat and barley of the present and the hope of future harvest. Swarms of exactors sent into the provinces filled them with agitation and terror, as though a conquering enemy were leading them into captivity. The fields were separately measured, the trees and the vines, the flocks and the herds were numbered, an examination made of the men. A reckoning was made of the age of each. Years were added to the young and subtracted from the old in order to subject them to higher taxes the law imposed. The whole scene was filled with wailing and sadness. In Jorge Apocalypti, Edward Bishop Elliot says, the third black horse and rider with a balanced scale represented a time 
of unjust taxation, whereby the producing provinces of the empire were robbed to satisfy the legions and to provide handouts for the populace of Rome. <clears throat> Economic depression resulted, but no famine. The words used in Revelation are a mocking reference to the sort of laws that were supposed to guarantee fair dealing, but were in reality merely records of the crime. The proclamation by service, a modus of wheat for a denarius, proves to have given the literally, the literally true expression of its average price for that particular area. The Vision of the Ages, 1881, Barton Johnson says, In the course of his history, we shall too often summon to explain the land tax, the capitation, and the heavy contributions of corn, wheat, wine, oil, and meat, which were exacted of the provinces for the use of the army, the court, and the capital. Swarms of exactors sent into the provinces filled them with agitation and terror, as though a conquering enemy were leading them into captivity. The fields were separately measured, the wines and the trees, the flocks and herds were numbered, and an examination made of the men. Sick and weak were born to the place of inscription. A reckoning was made of the age of each. Years were added to the young and subtracted from the old, in order to subject them to the higher taxation the law imposed. The whole scene was filled with wailing and sadness. The black horse of the third seal points to oppressive taxation which caused farmers to stop producing and push the Roman Empire into a time of famine and pestilence. Chapter 16, The Fourth Seal Judgment And when he had opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth beast say, Come and see. And I looked, and behold, a pale horse, and his name that sat on him, was death, and hell followed with him. And power was given unto them over the fourth of the earth, to kill with sword, and with hunger, and with death, and with the beast of the earth. Chapter 6, verses 7 and 8. The pale horse represents an era of death in the Roman, I'm sorry, I'm looking for the stupid books, in the, <laughs> represents an era of death in the Roman Empire from 250 to 300 AD. Okay. The Roman Empire is the land, earth, of the apocalyptic vision. The pale horsemen rode, forced, and the Roman Empire crumbled into the most dreadful state of disorder and chaos where their society had almost completely broken down. Hell or Hades is better translated as the grave, as many people died. Acts 2.27 says, For you will not leave my soul in Hades, nor will allow your Holy One to seek corruption. Meaning Messiah was in the grave. Healing, helling your potatoes means a farmer digs a hole and buries them. What does that have to do? I guess I'm not seeing that. Okay. Hold on, I'm sorry. Meaning Messiah was in the grave. Okay. Edward Gibbon documented, but a long and general famine was a calamity of a more serious kind. 
It was the inevitable consequence of her pain and oppression, which exacerbated the produce of the present and the hope of the future harvest. Famine is almost always followed by epidemical diseases, the effect of scanty and unwholesome food. Other causes must, however, contributed to the furious plague, which from the year 250 to the year 265 raged without interruption in every province, every city, and almost every family of the Roman Empire. During some time, 5,000 persons died daily in Rome, and many towns that had escaped the hands of the barbarians were entirely depopulated. An exact register was kept at Alexandria of all the citizens entitled to receive the distribution of corn. It evidently proves that above half the people of Alexandria had perished. And could we venture to extend the analogy to the other provinces, we might suspect that war, pestilence, and famine had consumed in a few years the moiety of the human species. In the last prophecy, Edward Bishop Elliot says, about 14 years after the death of Alexander's service, beginning from the reign of Philip about 248 A.D., Gibeon speaks of the 20 years of shame and misfortune, of confusion and calamity that then ensued. And all unconsciously speaking of the voice of Scripture, he says, Oh, hold on, I got a mosquito trying to get me. He says that at that time, the ruined empire seemed to approach the last and final moment of its dissolution. We have it on record that at an epic 20 or 30 years after the death of Galenius, the multiplication of wild beasts of prey had risen to such an extent in parts of the empire as to become a crying evil. Arnabius, the Roman writer, alludes to wild beasts as one of the plagues which had the land, which the land was then afflicted about 296 A.D., near 30 years after the death of Galenius. In Vision of the Ages, 1881, Barton Johnson says, Let all notice the correspondence. The prophet asserts that one-fourth of mankind would be destroyed. But the infidel historian goes beyond the prophet and doubtless exceeds the facts when he makes the mortality twice as great. The prophet names the sword, famine, pestilence, and beasts of the field as instruments of destruction. The historian affirms half the race were destroyed by the first three of these agencies, but fails to mention the fourth. We might, without historical proof, dare to assert that on the terrible depopulation of large districts, the beasts of prey, wolves, hyenas, and lions, would so multiply as to become objects of terror, but we are not left to this necessity. But we are not left to this necessity. The pale horse of the fourth seal points to a time when the Roman Empire suffered from famine, pestilence, and wild beast attacks. Messiah is talking about one-fourth of the Roman Empire's population dying. The Roman Empire's calamity was blamed on Messiah's followers as they did not bow down to the Roman gods, small g. This served to increase the persecution of Messiah's saints by the Roman emperors. And I think I'm going to leave that there so we can pick up in the fifth seal. I like to kind of keep it short, keep it going, you know. So I will come back and 
start in chapter 19, was it? Let me check, sure. No, chapter 17. So, go to the Lord in prayer. Ask him, seek his face. Ask him to show you the truth. We need the truth. We need discernment. We do not want to be deceived in any way, shape, or form. And let me tell you what, it's God Almighty that could show you the truth through his precious Holy Spirit that he has given to each of us. He is our teacher, and he will show us things to come. All right, keep your eyes on Jesus, brothers and sisters. Your nose in the book, which is the word of God. And in that, the word of God. Upon the tablets of your hearts, so you will not sin against God or be deceived. Till next time, I love you all.